You're listening to the free edition of Sweden in Focus from The Local. If you would like to listen to a full-length version of the podcast, as well as an additional midweek episode, please check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade to Membership Plus. Here's this week's free edition. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sweden in Focus. I'm your host, Tom Henley. There is a heat wave here in Sweden right now, but the news rolls on. Today, we're going to talk about the new migration law which comes into effect next week, what has changed and who is affected. We're going to get a clear and concise update on where exactly we are in the pandemic. And we'll hear what it's like to move to the archipelago. And finally, we'll hear how long you guys think a summer holiday should be. This episode of Sweden and Focus is sponsored by Akademikernas Arkasa, providers of income insurance for university graduates in Sweden. All right, returning to the podcast today, we have Catherine Edwards, Isabella Anderson and Emma Lefkian. Guys, I'm really sorry I've asked you all to turn off your fans for half an hour whilst we record this episode. I hope you're, you're all okay because it is very, very hot out there today. Thomas, if we die, it's your fault. <laughs> okay. Um, and also joining us for the first time, we have Anne Franson, a freelance journalist from the Netherlands. Anne, how are you? Uh, I'm good. It's not as hot where I live, um, on a little island on the West Coast. So I'm uh, I'm not dying. Okay, that's good. So nothing, no, there's no stress on my shoulders. Here. Not so much. Wonderful. Some of our listeners maybe remember back in 2016 when uh, temporary legislation was brought in here in Sweden because the country was basically struggling to process a record number of refugees. Here, for example, is Mikkel Rebenvik, who was acting director general of the Swedish Migration Board, talking back at the beginning of 2016. We received a lot of asylum seekers last year, 160,000. Everybody that are in need of international protection will get to stay. They will get protection in Sweden. But of course, when when numbers are rising, there will be more people that will get uh, permits to stay and there will be more people that will have to go back. So this is more of a mathematical example. Now it's five years later and any day now, next week on July the 20th, a new concrete migration law will come into effect to replace that 2016 law. So Catherine, what do we know about this new law exactly? Um, Well, it's taken a a long time for it to be passed. For one thing, the date has been pushed back and back because obviously migration is an issue that really divides Sweden's parties at the moment. And what we've ended up with in the final version is a law that in, in some ways it's brought in Uh, improvements or making a few things easier for people who are moving to Sweden. But uh, compared to the temporary 2016 law, 
Um, but in general, it's a much, much stricter, it's a much, much stricter permanent migration law than Sweden's had previously. So one of the main changes, for example, is that for refugees, most residents permits are going to be temporary rather than permanent, which is keeping a change from that temporary 2016 law. But before that, Sweden used to issue permanent residence permits to people arriving as refugees. So in a lot of ways, it's getting more more strict. So, um, and and let's talk about the little nitty grit, gritty parts of this law. What happens to those who maybe don't meet all these re- new requirements? And what are these requirements exactly? Um, well, it depends what type of permit you're on in Sweden. So whether you've moved here as a partner or family member of a Swedish citizen or a EU citizen, if you've moved here on a work permit or as a student, you've got to meet the requirements for that specific permit. And one of the changes which a lot of readers of The Local have been getting in touch with is specifically about the partner or family permits. And for that, the big change is that previously, if you moved to Sweden to join your partner or close family member or spouse, you would be eligible for permanent residence after just two years on that permit. And that's gone up to three years. But in reality, it's four years because you've got to get the two-year permit twice before you're eligible. So for people on that permit, for example, you've got to now wait longer and meet more criteria, such as being able to prove that you can support yourself. Um, And for people who don't meet those criteria, which are now tougher, um, it just means that you'll probably be on a temporary permit for longer. So if you're not eligible for the permanent permit, usually you can instead extend your temporary permit. And that just means living in a bit more uncertainty for much longer, not having that security of a permanent residence in Sweden. It's it's all quite confusing, isn't it? It's, it's never easy. Uh, it's very confusing. Emma and I have spent a lot of time trying to read through the law and some things aren't decided yet. So for example, that income requirement that people need to meet to get that permanent residence requirement, we still don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know what level of income you need to have to be eligible Or, for example, if you can use savings or benefits, um, student finance and things like that in order to meet it. So it's very confusing. And I think for the people who are trying to plan their future and figure out what their future looks like in Sweden, it's also going to cause a lot of stress until those details are sorted out. Why do you think that some of these things aren't decided yet? Is it because it's simply this my, migration is just such a complicated subject and it's such a so complicated law to sort out? Or is it being because of the pandemic, maybe this is kind of a backlog, they haven't had time to sort these things out? I mean, it's five years since those temporary uh, laws in 2016. Why are some of these, some of these questions still not answered? Uh, it's difficult to say. I think it's probably got a lot to do with the fact that the negotiations between the parties have just kept breaking down. Sweden set up a migration committee with representatives of all the parties specifically to agree on a new law. And that just wouldn't work. So it's something that's been in the works for a long time. The deadlines have kept being pushed back and back. So I think the temporary law had to expire in July. So they've basically come up to the deadline without fine-tuning all the details. And something else... To remember is that sometimes with these cases, it's not possible to account for all the possible circumstances. So it might be that um, we start out with a rough definition of what the income or maintenance requirement is, 
And then that might be further established in court cases. For example, if people appeal their decision and are able to establish in court certain exemptions. You mentioned up top that these changes are much stricter than what Sweden have had in the past. What do you guys think this means for Sweden's image abroad when they look towards Sweden, which often has, has looked as having open arms for refugees? Does this mean that uh, Sweden are showing a more closed doors approach when it comes to foreign policy? It's, it's definitely moving in a stricter direction. And I think previously Sweden was known as almost an outlier within Europe. So if people had to arrive in Europe, they might make their way to Sweden. For example, if you knew you were more likely to get a permanent residence, of course, refugees are seeking security. So that would be a big draw. So yeah, it's definitely becoming stricter, um, less less open. Uh, and a lot of the new changes, I mean, they affect everyone. They're targeted at refugees, yeah, but pretty much all categories are affected in some ways. And I mean, there is more and more talk in like s- circles of categories of immigrants that Sweden have said that they want to come to Sweden. Uh, could hear my voice being a bit sarcastic there, hopefully. Uh, like in the Stockholm tech circles, for example, Sweden wants lots of game designers, etc., to come to Sweden. Uh, we want international talent. But people in those circles are also talking about how it's getting stricter, how the bureaucracy is really difficult to deal with. And I mean, as Catherine said earlier, we've spent hours trying to understand exactly how the migration law works. And I mean, I'm a native Swedish speaker and I've been reading all this legal text and sometimes I'm like, I do not understand what this means. <laughs> mm. I wonder also, uh, you know, it's kind of the elephant in the um, room, which we always talk about, but, you know, that the, the general election that is coming next year. And we've talked about, you know, th- through this uh, governmental crisis that we've covered, that maybe the social democrats have shown that they're moving towards the right a little bit more than, than before, maybe quite a lot more than before for a lot of people, especially when it comes to people that would maybe vote for the left party, but vote for the social democrats instead. You've mentioned here, Catherine, that, that it is stricter. What do you think this means for the social democrats? Does it does it uh, help them or do you think it, it gives them a, it tarnishes their images a little bit more? Um, I think it, it depends on the kind of voter because I think what's always interesting to me is when people talk about immigration being one of the top issues that voters care about, quite often that's assumed to mean that people want immigration controls um, or are looking at it from that perspective. Whereas when we speak to our readers who are immigrants or who have family who are immigrants, um, yeah, they're they're looking at it from a, a different perspective. So it would depend on the individual voters. I think it's there would be some social democrat voters who may be happy with these changes. Um, some, the ones who are directly affected in a negative way will obviously not be happy. But I think a lot of these changes you would probably only really know about if you were directly affected. Things like the longer time to permanent residence for people on a partner visa, that's not really been covered so much in the media and it's probably something you only really hear about if you are in touch with those people who are directly affected. Um, I think when I've been reading um, 
learning about the the new migration law, it's focused mostly on the rule changes for refugees um, in particular and not on all the other groups that are included. Um, But there's definitely a lot of dissent from the left side. So not just the left party themselves, but the Green Party have also criticised quite a lot of the stricter rules that are being either maintained from the temporary law or being introduced now. There's been a lot of talk in the Swedish media about the sort of political disagreement around this law, but not as much about how it actually impacts people. Okay, it's time to hear from our sponsor, but stay with us because we'll be right back with a little update on where we stand when it comes to the pandemic. If you're new in Sweden, or you've yet to master all the intricacies of Swedish working life, you may not be familiar with the unemployment insurance system here. Unemployment insurance is compulsory in most of the EU and the UK, but in Sweden, it's partially voluntary. But what does that mean for you? Well, to be entitled to the full income insurance benefits available in Sweden, you'll need to join an R-CASA, like Akademikernas R-CASA. An R-CASA is an unemployment fund that pays income-related insurance benefits, and Akademikernas R-CASA is Sweden's biggest provider for university graduates. You're eligible to join if you're a university graduate and currently work or have previously worked in Sweden, the EU, EEA or Switzerland. Want to protect your income in the event that you lose or choose to quit your job at a cost of just 140 Swedish kroner per month? Join Akademikernas R-CASA. You could receive up to 26,400 kroner per month before tax. Okay, so... I think, Isabella, it might be important to take a bit of a step back and look at where exactly we are in this pandemic. We have been chatting in the past about lifting restrictions and who can get a vaccine and who cannot. And, you know, it it can get quite confusing. So I wondered if you could just tell us exactly where we are right now when it comes to the pandemic. So let's start with vaccines. Who can get them as of today? Vaccines are open for everyone over 18 in Sweden right now, uh, starting earlier this week. Uh, The last region to open was Uppsala, um, and uh, Stockholm also opened quite recently. And now they're also talking about opening for 16-year-olds, but that's probably not going to be until August. All right, and we've mentioned the vaccine pass. Isabella, what's going on with the vaccine passes now? So the vaccine passes, they're up and running, but you only get them two weeks after your second dose. Uh, and recently I I, spo- uh, I asked a question to Anders Tegnell at a press conference about whether we're going to use them within the country. Då går vi till the local. Hej, jag undrar hur vi kommer kunna förvänta oss att använda de vaccinpass som nu har införts sedan i början av juli. Specifikt om vi kan förvänta oss att när publiktaket tar sport till exempel behöva visa upp ett vaccinpass för att ta sig in på en konsert. Ja, idag har vi har ingen på myndigheten några planer på att rekommendera att vaccinpassen används på det viset. And so what exactly did Anders Tegnell say to you, Isabella? Right now, there's no plans on doing that. I know that that's been the solution for, for example, Denmark. And now France has introduced it as well with the rising Delta variant that you have to show a vaccine pass to get into a restaurant, to get into a cafe. But there's no plans in Sweden to introduce a system like this. It's only going to be for travel. And what were some of the restrictions this week that were lifted? 
From July 15th, uh, a lot of the restrictions were lifted. Uh, there's one more phase left to go, but right now the restrictions are gone on long-distance buses and trains. They can now run again in full capacity. There's no longer any limits on people in gyms and shops. And they're also opening public places such as museums and libraries. Do you guys know reporting on this? Do you know what the general reaction to these lifting of the restrictions is? Does, do your readers think this is right or it's too soon, you know, with the Delta virus out there right now? I think um, there are some uh, criticisms, especially since the Delta variant is rising in both Sweden and in Denmark. There's currently no entry restrictions from the Nordics into Sweden. So that is something that there's been some criticism over. Another criticism has been that most of the spreading happens in the home and there's not really any new restrictions on how we interact with each other, only on travel. But I wondered what you guys, you guys who actually report on these news and meet the people who are affected, the people who actually make these laws and lift these restrictions, how do you guys think the vaccine distribution has been handled here in Sweden? Well, I think it's been quite uh, unusual in Sweden compared to very many other countries because it's it's really drawn attention, especially in foreign media, about how decentralized Sweden really is. The municipalities and regions in Sweden have quite a lot of political power. So I think it's quite unusual that it's been accessible in different places in Sweden at different times. And it seems to also have created this trend of people traveling to other parts in Sweden to get the vaccine sooner. I, mean, I think one of the things that's a bit special about Sweden is how as Isabella said, how decentralized it is. So it is handled very, very differently in different regions. Um, like in, in Uppsala, for example, where I live, they started out by booking a time slot for older people. Like when they sent the when they sent the letter to them that vaccinations were open for them, they also gave them a slot come in at this time. Whereas in, for example, Stockholm, they didn't do that. They let people book their own slot, which maybe led to a bit of phone queues and the app crashing and and all of that. So it's been kind of very, very different across the regions. All right. Well, thank you, Isabella. What, what you next? You mentioned the next phase, the, which is, I guess, the final phase of restrictions. When 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 would that come in? Uh, so there's currently not a date on when they're going to lift the last restrictions, but their predict, like predicted date is September sometime. And that would include uh, removing all uh, audience capacities in concerts and clubs and really those last things where we can expect to see a lot of close proximity between people. Okay, stick with us because we'll be right back. With Sweden's system of unemployment insurance, it's easy even for Swedes to miss out on the benefits of joining an Arkasa. Arkasas are the employment fund that pay out income-related insurance benefits if you lose or quit your job. Membership of Akademikernas Arkasa, the top provider for university graduates, costs just 140 Swedish krona per month. So, 10 years worth of fees corresponds to roughly one monthly payment if you become unemployed. It's like a regular insurance policy for your car or your home, but designed to protect your income. But there is one key difference. As Akademikernas Arkasa is not for profit, it won't charge you a fortune. 
Employees, the self-employed and even students can join. For more information, visit the Academic and Arcasa website. Now, get your pen and paper ready because I'm going to spell this out for you and direct you to the English language homepage. It's www.akademikernasakasa.se/en. And if you think that was tricky, just wait until you find out what Arcasa is short for. This July, listeners to the podcast can get a one-month free pass, which will give you unrestricted access to the local Sweden, meaning that you can read all members-only content when you are logged in. You can redeem this offer by visiting the local.se/podcastoffer. Valid through to the 31st of July. We've talked already about how hot it is right now, and we're recording this from the studio in Stockholm, and it is boiling to say the least. But something that our international listeners may not know is that Stockholm, as a city, is pretty empty in the summer. At least it's empty of Swedes who all flock to their summer houses, which is something we've talked about as well on previous episodes, or to the archipelago. And I mean, there are like over twenty thousand islands to choose to escape to in Stockholm's archipelago alone. I've been wondering recently what it's like to live in the archipelago year in and year out. And Anne, I know that you live on an island outside of Gothenburg. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I live on Brenno, right, out, right outside uh, Gothenburg in the southern archipelago. And how how big is Brenno? I mean, you walk in thirty minutes from one side to the other, um, and there are eight hundred people living here year round, and that number grows uh, in summer. <laughs> by quite a lot, I can imagine. By quite a lot, yes. Before we get to what it's like to live on an island in the archipelago here in Sweden, can you just tell us how on earth you ended up there? So I moved to Gothenburg as a Scandinavia correspondent uh, for a du- for a Dutch newspaper, and I thought that Gothenburg would be a perfect place because it's quite uh, central within Scandinavia. But then, after a year or so, I. I just wasn't doing so well in the city. I thought it was quite grey and drab and a bit depressing, especially in during the long winters. Yeah, Gothenburg does. There's a lot of rain. There, there's a lot of rain. Yes, there is. And so I would often go to the archipelago during the weekends. Um, I mean, there's rain there too, but at least <laughs> you know you have a view and there's the sea. Yeah. And so at some point, I just didn't want to escape to the archipelago anymore. And I just wanted to, yeah, to live there. And you did it. And I did, yes. I put up some notes and I found <laughs> a, a summer house uh, to to rent year round. I know that you were attracted to this idea of three Luft's leave. Can you tell our international listeners what that is exactly? And what, what made you interested in it? Yeah, uh, Friluftsleaf is a Scandinavian philosophy um, that promotes spending time outdoors or spending enough time outdoors. Um, and one of the first times it was mentioned, it was by the Norwegian explorer uh, Fridtjof Nansen. And he boiled it down to, how do you say, like leading a simple life in nature so getting away from the masses and getting away from modern day culture and modern day life uh, and all the demands of the city um, 
and just go into the wilderness. Yeah, that is this idea or this original idea of uh, Friluftsleaf. And of course, nowadays it might be a bit different. So nowadays people might just, you know, take their car uh, to a forest and um, grill some sausages and make a fire and <laughs> drive back to the city. And that can be Friluftsleaf as well. Um, but I was interested in this idea of leaving the city behind and uh, moving moving to nature in a way. I wonder if we, sorry to keep going on about it, but if we go back to the pandemic again for a second and the claustrophobia that brought along for a lot of people, I wonder, did it take some of the beauty away from the utopia of Brenna living on an archipelago island? How, how were you affected by the uh, pandemic there? I'd say it didn't take this uh, beauty away. In a way, because we live outdoors here much of the time, we just go outside and we live outside and there's a garden and there's the sauna and there's uh, a nature reserve. And so in a way you have more freedom here, I think, than you would in a city where you're quite close in and it's hard to not meet people if you go out in the streets. So in a way, I think there's freedom in living just outside of the city during a p- pandemic. No, my life didn't change as much, I think, because I could still go for my walks and I could still meet my neighbors in the garden and I could still go to the sauna, for example. I'm so jealous of your life, and I'd love to live on an island. <laughs> well, come over. No, I, I, I love it. Um Actually, I've never even been to the West Coast. I've not not even been to Gothenburg. That's my secret confession. But I'd love to go sometime. What about you, Isabella? You're sitting there looking very, very jealous of uh, Anne right now. <laughs> oh, I love going to the archipelago. I, I am not lucky enough to have my own summer house there. But uh, I think a good thing about Sweden is that people tend to invite their friends to their summer houses. Uh, but I've also only been to the Stockholm Archipelago. Well, so I, I, I used to work in the Western Isles in Scotland, so I've, I've done island life. You have done island life. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I remember when I was a teenager, I read a book called uh, Walden by Henry David Thoreau, which I think is kind of like the American version of Flitjof Nansen's um, quote there. But I don't know if I could leave the city forever. But Anne, it sounds like you don't regret your move. In fact, it sounds like you're living the dream, right? I mean, the dream, of course, you can still be <laughs> unhappy or grumpy some days. Or, um, but no, I'm very happy I, I made this move. I Yeah, I felt quite isolated, actually, in the city. You live among so many people and, and still you don't know any of your neighbors and you don't greet the people in the street and hear... After four years of living here, I know everybody living on the island and I have my friends here. And sometimes I work as a substitute teacher at the first school, at the preschool. Um, so there's just there's this idea of community and then there's nature as well. So I'm I'm feeling much happier here than I did in the city. Yeah. Do people hate it when the summer tourists come or is it nice to get some new faces? <laughs> No, a little. Um, yeah, just people who live here year-round think like, who who are these people that they only come here during the summer? 
No, but it's also quite nice. It's quite lively and there's a lot of live music during the summer. And I think it's good for the couple of uh, cafes and restaurants here on the island that they get all these visitors and guests. So it's good as well, yes. Emma, as usual, you guys put up a poll on the local Sweden's website for us to discuss today. What did you guys ask this week? Uh, So we asked people how many weeks of summer holiday they're going to take this summer. And I'll, I'll give you a bit of background first. Yeah, please do. So in Sweden, you generally have the right to take four consecutive weeks off in June, July or August. And your employer can tell you when in these months you should take your holidays, but they can't generally tell you that you cannot take them at all during this time. And this was something that was put it was pushed through by trade unions and it can kind of be traced back to the early 20th century. Uh, when unions negotiated with industrial companies to kind of agree on a specific period when factories would basically shut down and give workers a break. And you still sometimes hear the long summer holidays referred to as industrisemester, which literally means industry holiday, even though that's not really what it is anymore. But the concept still exists, and many Swedes will make full use of these four weeks Like even in Stockholm, a lot of restaurants will completely close in summer during the peak of tourist season. And I'll give you a case in point. So there's a heat wave in Sweden right now, as we've talked about. My car does not have working air conditioning. I brought it to the garage. Lasse at the garage took one look at it, said that, oh yeah, the so-and-so is broken and he'll order new parts. But Lasse at the garage then went on holiday and will be gone until August. I bet his car is working just fine. <laughs> Mine is not. I want to know what the results were exactly from this uh, poll, because I guess that most of your readers are international residents here in Sweden or international listeners who might not be used to these long holidays. Or, or maybe they are, I don't know. So what, what were the results exactly? Well, it was quite evenly split, actually. Okay. With most of our readers telling us that they're going to take two weeks, four weeks or three weeks off this summer in that order. So I guess it varies a lot. The big question here, I guess, is do you split up these weeks? Because we can't ignore the fact that Swedish winters are long, dark winters, which I think a lot of people would see as the time to take some of your holiday days. Why why did you choose to take two weeks, for example? Uh, I took two weeks because I'm hoping to save up some of my holidays for later in the year when it might hopefully be easier to travel like after the pandemic. That's what I hoped last year as well, so I'm not sure if it's actually going to happen, but I decided to save some of my holidays for later on. And Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. 
Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I think that's a lot. what a lot of our readers do as well, based on what the ones who take a shorter summer holiday, told us. And based on my own guess, especially if you have family abroad, you might want to spread your holiday out a bit because mm. you might want to be able to yeah, travel right. home more than once a year, for example. Yeah. Plus, as you say, I also agree that Sweden is the loveliest in summer. So maybe you'd rather spend the summer here and then travel home in winter when it's just dreary and cold here. Well, speaking of holidays, Sweden and Focus is going on a little summer hiatus, but we will return. If you are not subscribed, make sure to do so so you don't miss when we come back. But in the meantime, you can visit the Locals website to keep up to date on all your news. And why not support the local by becoming a member today? Also, don't forget that up until the end of July, listeners to Sweden and Focus can get a one-month free pass, which will give you unrestricted access to the local Sweden. To redeem that offer, all you have to do is go to the local.se forward slash podcast offer, valid through to the 31st of July. Sweden in Focus is a band of production in collaboration with The Local. And from all of us here at Sweden in Focus, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your summer and we will see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com That's all for this week's free edition of Sweden in Focus. 
If you'd like to hear a full-length version of the podcast each week, as well as an additional midweek episode with more interviews and analysis, please upgrade to Membership Plus. Make sure to check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade. Sweden in Focus is a podcast by The Local Europe. Our sound engineer is Rhys Edwards. The publisher is James Savage.